0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless you all. How are y'all doing? We are back to virtual only, like Pastor Gabriel was saying, which is a little bit sad. But at the same time, you know, we're just looking out for the safety and the health of our of our family members, of our friends, and everyone here at church. So, for those of you who are here, the staff, the volunteers, we thank you, um, and we'll keep you informed as we continue to see the situation and make decisions. Um, I also want to take time to thank you all, uh, here personally at our church. We all know that we uh, suffered a great loss last week and I don't know about y'all, but it was a, it was a tough week both physically and emotionally we could definitely see just the heaviness of grief and of loss and it's still here you know I, I still encourage you to keep praying for the Gonzalez family as well as for our church because it's 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 a loss that we all felt so if, if you've been praying thank you I invite you to continue praying and again I want to thank um, those of you who are here because I know that it wasn't a uh, an easy week for any of you either. So the fact that you are here is a great testament to your commitment. So thank you. But all righty to the sermon. <laughs> um, this week, this is week three of the People Matter series. Last week, we took a break since it was Father's Day. Um, and so this week, we're going to specifically be talking about justice. And if you're a part of our e-groups here at Emmanuel Church, if you're not, I highly encourage you to come. We've been doing them virtually lately, um, but usually in better days, we meet in person, we eat some food sometimes we play some games and we have some time of Bible study and prayer um, but we've been making it work via zoom uh, we've been able to like just see each other's faces when we haven't seen each other in weeks we still get to play games the food I mean if you got food at home you can, you can eat food during eat groups um, but we've been learning a lot and we've continued to uh pray for each other in our petitions. So I highly recommend that you join us via Zoom for our e-groups. Um but for those of you who are a part of those e groups, you probably remember that not too long ago I also spoke about the topic of justice. Um don't worry, I tried my best to not like repeat myself in terms of what I taught then and what I taught now. In fact, I must admit, I did not give my sermon early enough to the media team for them to have the verses up here. So I highly encourage you to take notes if you are able. Not only um, so you can keep record of the, the Bible verses that we'll be reading, but I'm also going to be citing different sources as I uh, speak through the sermon. Really, when it comes to the topic of justice, this is something that I'm like super passionate about. So I could go on for hours just talking about just different things because it's not only is it something that we should be passionate about, but it's such a huge topic. When we talk about injustice, there is so much going on so much so that I can imagine that a lot of us feel overwhelmed, right now, um, when we notice what's going on in the United States, around the world, when we look at the news and we see what's going on, when we hear of another innocent person who was murdered, when we hear about, you know, protests and people putting their lives at risk during these protests to fight for something that they believe in, all of it is just so overwhelming. Um, However, what we cannot do is take a back seat. I do... Uh one of the biggest things that I've learned in this process is that the fight for justice is, it's not a sprint when you go all out and you just run right off the back super fast. It's a marathon where you have to kind of like pace yourself, you know, go a little bit slower when you feel yourself getting tired. When you have a little bit more energy, you run a little faster uh, because it's a long work. Really, it's a lifelong work. I don't believe the fight towards justice will ever end until Jesus comes and makes everything new again. So it's it's a lifelong calling that we've all been given. But I, I want to start off with prayer. Um, I want to pray for different reasons, not only like what I was saying that at this point, I understand that a lot of us are overwhelmed with everything that's going on, and I, I want to pray with that. But I also want to pray for our hearts, for our spirit. I pray that the Lord can Give us that sense of humility and openness when it comes to these topics, because I understand that a lot of these topics have become very polarized and very divisive when they were never meant to be. So I I pray that God opens our hearts, opens our minds, as well as the Holy Spirit be the one to keep pushing us through, because as we know, we can't do this alone. We need God and we need each other. So if you can join me in praying, dear heavenly father, we thank you for the opportunity of being here, Lord. We wish that the rest of our uh, church family could be here with us, but Lord, we are trusting in you. This coronavirus situation is something completely unprecedented. None of us were ready for it. So we're just kind of taking it day by day and we're trusting in you, God, we're leaning in you. Because ultimately you are the God of wisdom and we follow you and your leading. But we pray God for that day that we can come together again without fear of sickness, of uh, getting contagious, nothing God. That day Lord that we can come back and just worship you freely and without fear. God, I also want to pray for this sermon that we're going to be learning today, this topic of justice. I pray, Holy Spirit, that it may be you speaking through me, God. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you just move in our hearts, God. I know that a lot of us, because of the news or our family or stuff that we've been taught before, we've become kind of closed off to some of these topics. But God, I pray that you move in our hearts, that you soften our hearts to these injustices, God. That you break our hearts for what breaks yours Jesus because that is what we are called to do so we thank you God we ask that you minister to us through this word in Jesus name amen all righty The specific purpose that I have for our sermon today is that we are called to be active participants in the fight towards justice. So today we will be discussing how God views justice and how we should respond to this call. And so first, let's talk about how God views justice. What does the Bible say about justice? And there are so many verses in the Bible that talk about justice and righteousness. So I've just kind of picked a few that I felt kind of really encompassed it all well. One of the the first ones is in Psalms 146, verses 7 through 9. Psalms one forty six verses seven through nine, and I'm going to be reading um, from the NRSV version. I've been kind of looking through different Bible versions, so this one's one of the newest ones that I've been studying from. But alrighty, Psalms one forty six seven through nine. It says, "Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives food to the hungry? The Lord sets prisoners free." The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers, meaning the immigrants. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Amen. And so we're going to talk about different words in this scripture and really what it meant in the original Hebrew. So right there at the end, it talks about how the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. So what... What does wicked mean? In the original Hebrew, the word is rasha. And by the way, one of the first resources that I want to point out is the Bible Project. A lot of what I learned, uh, what, what I'm going to be saying here comes from their uh, justice video on YouTube. Um, so the Hebrew word rasha, it means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as the image of of God, And I know that in week one, we talked about the image of God, but just to kind of refresh your memories on what that means in Genesis, we are set apart from the rest of creation as the image of God or the imago Dei. We are called to honor the image of God in everyone. This principle, this is the principle behind the biblical view of justice. That all human beings are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who they are. There is no such thing as a disposable human being. There has never been a human being who was not created by God and in God's image. The image of God is in all of us, and that should compel us to love and seek justice for all. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 3, again in the NRSV version, it says, Thus says the Lord, Act with justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor anyone who has been robbed and do not wrong or violent, do not do wrong or violence to the alien, again, meaning the immigrants and refugees, the orphan and the widow or shed innocent blood in this place. Another verse, Psalm 103 verse 6 says, the Lord works righteousness, does justice for all who are oppressed. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. So through this, and these are just some of the, like, many verses that I found where the Bible addresses justice directly. And so obviously we can see that justice is very central to the heart of God. justice is very important. Looking out for those who are most vulnerable among us, that is central to what it means to be a Christian, because as a Christian, we know that not only we're we created in the image of god but every single human being regardless of their nationality their ethnicity their background their social economic status if they're a criminal it doesn't matter if they do stuff that you completely disagree with they too were made in the image of god and we are called to honor that same image of god in them that is also in us So now let's talk about the Biblical Hebrew word for righteousness. It is tzedakah and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to the right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God with the God-given dignity that they deserve. And the word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It refers to retributive justice. So what is retributive justice? That means if I steal something, I'm going to get punished. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to suffer the consequences. Uh, that is retributive justice. But however, most often in the Bible, misfat refers to restorative justice rather than retributive justice. So restorative justice goes a step further, seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Mish involves way more than charity. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So when we talk about justice, it's not all about, oh, they did something wrong. They need to go to jail. That, that can be part of the process. Um, it's also part of what can be fixed in the process. But more often than not, when God is calling us to the work of justice, he's not just saying, oh, go out and punish those who have done wrong. He's saying, go out and seek those who are oppressed, those who are currently being taken advantage of, and go help them. Go help them personally, but also fight these systems that continue the oppression of vulnerable people. And there's different ways to do that. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. So as we see, justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. It is not easy and it's not convenient. So we were talking about how, you know, God created us all in the imago Dei, the image of God and how We should be compelled to seek justice for each other because we all recognize that we're created in the image of God. However, there came a problem. (laughs) There was a little twist in the story. And it also happened in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. And that is when Adam and Eve... Chose to live a life in which humanity gets to divide between decide between good and evil instead of living by God's definition of good and evil. That is, um, I remember one time I had this thought and I was like, the original lie, the original tactic that the enemy has against believers is making us distrust or question God. Because at the beginning, Adam and Eve had the opportunity to start a society where we would live according to God's definition of what's right and wrong. However, when they were tempted by the snake and they ate that fruit, I was about to say apple because that's like the stereotypical thing, but it's a fruit, whatever fruit it was. When they ate of that fruit, they made a decision that they were not going to trust God with his definition of what's right and wrong. Instead, they on their own wanted to define what's right and what's wrong. But what's wrong with that picture? We're human beings. (laughs) We are faulty. You know. And more often than not. We act on self. Not perturbations. I forgot the word. So you self preserve. You're acting for your own intent. Rather than for the best in others. And. Across time, humanity has constantly been redefining good and evil to our own advantage and at the expense of others. When I read this, I was like, I think that's where we get definitions like, oh, they're from a different time. Because at that time, they had a different definition of what was right and what was wrong. But as a society, we continue to move forward and we're redefining what it means to be right and to be wrong. And the thing is, not every time that we change this is a bad thing. In fact, there's a lot of, there's a lot of positive growth that us as a society have come to. You know, when it comes to different things, you know, Big one, slavery. You know, most of us in the modern-day world, we see slavery for what it was, and it's an evil. It was never supposed to happen. It was a corruption. So the fact that we've gotten to that place is very positive. However, the other side of the coin is that at the same time we make progress, we also take steps back. And we also continue to act in that selfish way where we're just doing things for our own own advantage instead of to uh, to protect others. Self-preservation, that's the word I was looking for. (laughs) so, So yes, like we were talking about, you know, these things that people make excuses for, they were never right, and we shouldn't get defensive or make excuses for it. Sin is sin, and it needs to be called out and repented of for the journey towards justice to continue. Humanity lives by self-preservation and taking advantage of the most vulnerable among us. That's why in James chapter 1 verse 27, we learn that religion that is pure and undefiled before God, Father, is this, to care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So, alrighty, we've just, talked about how God sees justice, what the Bible tells us about justice. And now we're going to discuss how should we respond to that call, that God given call of justice. So like I was saying earlier, the work of justice is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's long and it takes a lot of perseverance. There are so many different areas that need work. The reality is that the fight towards justice will last until the day that Jesus comes again and makes all things new. But until then, we are called to continue the work of seeking justice for the oppressed. We have to resist the temptation to do nothing. God created us all with a purpose and he put us on earth at this specific time on purpose. I know that a lot of us, you know, people talk about like, I was born in the wrong decade. I wish I was here. I wish I was there. Honestly, they really don't think about all of the historical context of what they're talking about when they say those things. But that's a whole different conversation. But no, you were not born in the wrong decade. You were born when you were born on purpose. You were born where you were born. On purpose. God created us all with a purpose. On purpose. So, we have to seek God as we discover our talents and our passions. And we need to use these gifts to serve and to continue the work of justice. Proverbs 31, 8-9 through nine says... Speak out on behalf of the voiceless and for the rights of all who are vulnerable. Speak out in order to judge with righteousness and to defend the needy and the poor. Mark 12, 30 to 31 also says, You shall love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So these, this is what Jesus himself said is central to the law, to the word of God. To love God and to love others as ourselves. What does that mean, to love others as ourselves? In week two of the series... Pastor Gabriel spoke about the Good Samaritan and that parable that Jesus shared. So we are called to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That means fighting for the same dignity and justice for others as we want for ourselves. That is why the Samaritan was a great example of a good neighbor in Jesus' parable. The Samaritan helped the traveler who was attacked and mugged because regardless of all the potential consequences that helping the traveler could bring, the Samaritan knew that he needed to honor the same image of God that is in him as was in the traveler. Even though the Jewish people of those time probably thought, no, you're not created in the image of God. We are. That, that's called racism <laughs> that's why racism is as old as time but again we must continue to fight against it Matthew seven twelve says therefore you should treat people in the same way that you want people to treat you this is the law and the prophets we know this as the golden rule it's <laughs> sometimes in some versions of the Bible, it's also like known as the golden rule, but I feel like it's something that has like trespassed beyond like just the Christian circle. Like there's many philosophers that, you know, they say the same basic thing of we need to treat others as we would wish to be treated. That is justice right there. That is righteousness. So some people, they actively perpetrate injustice others receive benefits or privileges another buzzword from the unjust social structures they take for granted and sadly history has shown that when the oppressed gain power they often become the oppressors themselves not only has history showed this but the bible also showed this Uh, God called Abraham to start a family Uh, that would be the definition of people who lived according to God's standards. They were the ones who were going to seek justice and righteousness. And they ended up being enslaved in Egypt. And so what did God do? God um, judged Egypt as wicked because they had been holding his people under these horrible, oppressive conditions. And so God freed the Israelites. And of course, they had that whole thing where they had to be in the desert for 40 years, trying to find their way for a bunch of other problems. But even finally, when they made it to that land, another problem happened. The Israelites themselves, who had been rescued from Egypt from being oppressed, started oppressing others. So that is like the irony of us being human beings and defining good and evil for ourselves. Often, even if you belong to a group that has been historically been oppressed, if all of a sudden you gain power and privilege, more than likely you're going to oppress others. But that is that is the nature that we are fighting against, because us as Christians, we should not do that. That is what the Bible is telling us. That is what God is calling us for, that we should not actively perpetrate injustice, but we should be fighting for all of us to be on equal ground. And we all participate in injustice, either actively or passively, even unintentionally. We are all the guilty ones. In um, the E group that I taught, I we spoke about different examples such as coffee, fruits, chocolate. Like we enjoy all of these things. I love coffee. I love fruits and vegetables. I love chocolate. But I need to be aware that sometimes the people who are out there harvesting these things for us work under horrible, inhumane conditions. And that is an injustice that I benefit from. When we talk about phones, we love our phones. A lot of pieces in this phone are created in factories where people also work under horrible conditions they go on to have conditions such as cancer because of the different chemicals they have to work with uh, clothes clothes are made in countries in sweatshops where children are taken advantage of and then oil and gas you know oil and gas has a lot of different repercussions you know when we talk about our climate but not only that often they go into these countries there have been whole wars based off of people people wanting to get in and take the oil. So all of these things that we use and we benefit from, they are an injustice. So we cannot step apart and be like, Oh, no, I, I fight for the poor and the needy. Like I do not participate in injustice at all. That is not true. We all participate in this because it's all, it's not just personal. It's not just a personal feeling. It's systemic. That's another thing that I've been learning as we've been talking about racism. A lot of people think racism is just, oh, I don't like this person because of the color of their skin. That is one aspect of racism. But the reality is there's so many systems systemic issues that also affect vulnerable groups. And I was reading a a Bible plan by Reverend Dr. Bernice A. King. She's the daughter of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And it's called Cultivating a Heart of Mercy. And in there she said, while we are doing the work of justice, we cannot let the injustice cause us to be unjust. And so I feel like there's so many applications to that phrase. But what I immediately thought about is we cannot seek that retributive justice that we were talking about. I don't think God has called us to vengeance. In fact, God says that vengeance is his own. And we need to trust him with that, you know, uh, because otherwise we fall to that same lie that the enemy said from the beginning. Can you really trust God? Can, do you really think he's going to do the right thing? When we decide to take vengeance in our own hands, we are declaring that we do not trust God. Because God already said he's going to take care of it. So do you trust him in that? And that is how we can actively work against being unjust. Unjust. So God's response to humanity, you know, we were talking about Abraham and how he was called to start the people of Israel who were going to be God's people and they were going to do things right and then it all fell apart. (laughs) But God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift and that gift was the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be righteous. And when he rose from the dead, now Jesus offered his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God. Not because of anything that they have done, but because of what Jesus did for them on the cross. This is a radical way of living. It is courageously making other people's problems my problems. Because when Jesus died at the cross and he washed us from our sins, when he tore that veil in the temple so we could have a direct relationship with God not because of anything we did it wasn't because he was like oh my children are so good so let me give this to them in fact it was quite the opposite (laughs) he was like man my children are a mess so as a loving loving father this is the gift that I'm going to give to them and through that gift through the life and the death of Jesus and him rising again we are welcomed into this whole new life. We are given so much hope and opportunity. We are given a whole new community. We have been given power for healing. The Lord has given us all these things, not because of anything that we did, but because of how good he is. And so what should be our response to that? We should want everybody to get a piece of that goodness, you know, not in self-preserve- self-preservation self and be like, no, I want this all to myself. No, we need to seek out others and say, hey, my life was changed by what Jesus did, and I want you to be welcomed into that. I want you to see how beautiful life can be when you walk life with Jesus, not because of who you are, because if it, if it were because of that, almost none of us would be like, oh yeah, I deserve to, you know, be forgiven I deserve this this and that to be called righteous you know it's because of Jesus it's because of his blood that we can be called righteous and that we then seek others so they can be welcomed into that righteousness this is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself it's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah in Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So, in conclusion, every person who was made in the image of God matters to God and should matter to us. That's why this series that we're doing right now is people matter because people matter to God and they should matter to us as well. We need to pray and find a way to join the work of justice. There's, like, so much that I wrote down that I wanted to discuss, but because of time, I'm just going to quickly list. I started researching, like, who are the most vulnerable among us, especially here in the United States. And it stated the chronically ill and the disabled, the poor and or homeless individuals, people who live in rural areas and have limited access to health and community resources, The LGBTQIA population who continue to be discriminated against and abused and have some of the highest rates of suicide in our nation. Disadvantaged young and older people such as orphans, such as widows, such as the elderly who may not have health insurance or who maybe they have just been left in a home and nobody's there uh, to take care of them and to love them properly. The prisoners. I, I highly recommend, if you haven't seen a documentary on Netflix called The 13th, highly recommend that you take the time to watch it. It goes so in-depth in terms of the problems of our, our criminal system. But just know that per capita, we have the highest rates of incarceration in the world. In what we call the land of the free. It doesn't make sense. We, uh, other who are vulnerable among us are immigrants and refugees. It is disgusting what's going on in the border. I Sometimes I kind of hold back from saying things because I'm like, oh, I don't want to get political. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't care. It is disgusting what those people are living through. It is completely unjust. We would never allow that even for our pets. If I saw my dog in those conditions, I would raise fire. I would like, no, you are not letting my dog live in those conditions. So why would I not fight for a whole family, for children who are living in these disgusting uh, camps? We need to fight for their rights. They are the vulnerable among us. Of course, our minority g- communities—Black people, Latino people, our Indigenous people groups—that historically have been so discriminated against that the uni- the United States has actively tried to get rid of. Again, there's so much more, but I I don't have time. I also recommend a YouTube video called "Systemic Racism Explained," and we need to support systemic changes that create a more equal opportunity for everyone. This includes the criminal justice system, voting rights, uh, economic status and injustices in that. And systemic problems require a systemic solution. It's not all about personal feelings and biases as we addressed earlier. But I do encourage you to start by addressing your own Prejudices and biases because we have them as much as we want to say no I would never look differently on someone because of where they came from or the color of their skin we have them this is something that has been ingrained in us through media through society through our families so it's something that we need to become aware of it's it's not to shame you or to guilt you but it's step one in solving the problem is admitting that there's a problem so I encourage you to do that And finally, I'll I'll end with this verse, and then I'll say a little prayer and have Pastor Gabriel come up. Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 to 40 in the CEB version of the Bible. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you a drink? When did you we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done this, You have done it for me. So as we continue in the work of justice and defending the vulnerable and tearing down oppressive systems, we're not just doing this for the least vulnerable. We're doing it for him. And when we are called into God's presence, we will be held accountable for how we fought in this work of justice. So I uh, invite you to stand up and pray with me. It'll be a a short and simple prayer, but just to kind of continue on how calling the Holy Spirit to help us and how would he have us play a role in this? We need to ask God, God, what role would you have me personally play? What gifts and talents have you given me that I can put to use towards serving, towards fighting for justice? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that you are a God of righteousness and justice. Lord, we thank you that even though we see injustice happening before us every single day, we can count that you are a God of justice. You are a God of vengeance. And that you, Lord, we can trust that you, Lord, will make all things right. As we await Jesus for your second coming, where we will be called into glory, God, we will continue here doing the work of justice. But as we do the work of justice, Holy Spirit, we plead with you for your guidance. We cannot go, we cannot do without your guidance, Jesus. Lord, I pray if anybody here is not aware of the gifts and talents that you've given them, if they don't really know what role to play, what their passions are, God, I pray that you will reveal this to them, Jesus, that they may see that they were created with a purpose, that they were placed here at this time on purpose, God, and that they have an important role to play. God, I pray that you be with us, that you move in our hearts as we address our own biases our own prejudices god may we never believe that we are completely innocent but may we always fight injustice not only externally but internally as well god and we just pray for forgiveness We pray for forgiveness for the times that we've been active in injustice, where we have been privileged and being complacent in the face of injustice. And God, we ask for forgiveness for the times that we have just wanted to take a step back and not do anything. Move us into action. Continue to remind us of that call towards justice and righteousness. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message today. And we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com/slash/my-story. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com/slash/give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 1130 a.m. Have a blessed week.